Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, what does it mean to be a modern warrior? First off, the elephant in the room. Warrior isn't a dirty word. A warrior is mindful. They seek excellence and have learnt to control their aggression. It's about understanding leadership, developing individual resilience, and seeking consistent human optimization. Remember, lifting heavy isn't dangerous. Being weak is dangerous. Fortune favors the brave, and you're never given more than you can handle. This, then, is the Warrior You podcast. All call signs. Ready, ready, ready. Let's roll! Righto, g'day team. So today on the Warrior You podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Shafali Verma, an integrative medical practitioner with a special focus on functional medicine. And Dr. Shafali is an incredible doctor who has helped countless individuals discover how to manage their health. Dr. Shafali graduated from the University of Manchester with a bachelor's degree in medicine and soon after graduated from the University of London with a master's degree in sports medicine, and these qualifications alone make her feel the perfect person to speak with us today about the impacts of stress on the mind and body. And Dr. Shafali is currently a partner and medical director at the Institute of Biophysical Medicine in Dubai. Have I got that right? I hope so. Yeah, that is right. The incredible work she does for her patients earned her an award as one of the top 50 outstanding women in healthcare in 2017. In 2018 and 2019, she was recognised as one of the top 100 leaders in healthcare at the same conference. Wow. Dr. Shafali knows so much about the science behind stress and how it affects the body, but her dedicated career comes with its own pressure, meaning that she knows firsthand how to manage and improve stress, and she is an acts of an athlete, I might add, as well. I've been looking at some of your YouTube, sorry, some of your Instagram videos. I'm thrilled to be discussing the impacts of stress with Dr. Shafali today. And I'm sure we will all benefit from her knowledge. Um, Dr. Shafali, thanks for joining us today. Where does the podcast find you? Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Um, Well, currently I'm in Dubai. Um, I have my clinical practice here. I've had actually for um, since 2010. Um, And we predominantly, you know, look uh, at chronic uh, disease management by really looking into prevention. That's kind of like my key area. Started off really working a lot in body comp. Uh, I used to work with a lot of athletes like after my my master's and uh, and then I got interested in their body composition. And then through body composition, I met... um, an actual, uh, an amazing strength coach actually called Charles Poliquin. I don't know if you've heard about him. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but um, he was a very, very uh, unique individual who actually taught me about 
um, body composition and hormonal and spot change management. And through that, we looked at nutrition. And that's how I got interested in functional medicine um, back in 2005. Um, and then I got really interested in education, really. And education more in terms of, like, you know, delay individuals because I think there's so much information out there, uh, you know, with the likes of internet and stuff like that. So, you know, meeting Dr. Google is not always a good thing. And I just found that, you know, actually I found it very rewarding to actually speak and teach people about, you know, prevention and, uh, and lifestyle medicine as it were, because I think there's so much to be said for that. And that's kind of like where it's like progressed over, um, you know, the last, so many years after I finished, it's really changed. I wanted to be an, actually an emergency medicine doctor um, when I first started medicine. Um, and then I actually lost my father and then it really like lots of things changed. And now the whole integrative medicine, um, I think is also becoming the future really, especially in this like pandemic sort of time, people are all looking at, you know, how can I make myself be the best I can be really? Yeah. You know? yeah we, I mean, our motto here at Warrior You podcast, and it's a leadership and resilience podcast, and our motto is um, you, are, you are the mission. So you are the mission is our, is yeah. our motto. And I, I guess looking back at you know Tim Ferriss, who was the first podcast I ever used to listen to back in the day when he was the only podcaster, him and Joe Rogan, um, he used to experiment on, on himself a lot. And I think that this, the idea of, um, you know, like I get my bloods done every year. I, I'm able to track where I'm at. I mean, I'm full blood, full blood count, full, full, um, you know, tests. And I, I, I fully think that this is the way of the future, isn't it? That we're going to start looking at hormone balances, um, the different, the, the different chemicals in, the, in our body, what our different parts of our body are creating, and then adjust our our physical training and our diet and our water intakes and the like and those sort of things. Um, I think it is the way of the future. And I think like, I mean, this is great because like, you know, this is exactly what I recommend people sort of after the age of 30, I sort of tell people, you know, I think it is wise for you to have your bloods done and then an entire profile done. And if everything's okay, I wouldn't leave it more than 18 months. And it's not to see if something's within the range or out of the range. It is where it is in the range and where was it in the range? Mm. Because it is waiting. We're not going to wait for it to come out of the range to be like, okay, let's do something. What, what can we change today so I can keep it where I need it to be in the most optimal range um, because that will be the future. And that is going to be prevent. If you can see it before it happens, I mean, that's the goal. And yeah. that's the whole idea of like, you know, prevention in itself. To say that you're an expert on stress is, is probably, uh, I think, not doing it enough justice. I mean, you know a lot about stress, stress on the body, um, hormonal stress, what's happening due to external factors. Let's just talk about stress a little bit. First of all, how would you define stress? I mean, that, let's just start with a definition. So, you know, back in the day, I would say about five years ago, I remember having to do, um, I worked, did this talk for a bunch of entrepreneurs in Dubai. And that was the first time I actually looked at the definition. And the definition at that point, you know, st you know, stated that it was a state of a mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from an adverse or demanding circumstance. And to that, you know, it was emotional and mental. And that's what people tend to like hold what stress is. It's this emotional and mental sort of strain. But for me, it's actually what became interesting was the physiological 
you know, strain because that is what leads to your ability to, to, to manage it overall, you know? And for me, it's, I'm very interested in the physiological strain that happens over time period because stress and the hormone associated with stress is cortisol is one of the few hormones that when you look at the adverse effects, it's caused by the accumulation over time, you know, whereas something can happen now and then, you know, go away and then it returns back to normal. Whereas with cortisol, it's like the go, 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 go break, you know, and it's, it's that, that people aren't aware of. And it's the silence for me, the silent stress that is actually the most violent of all. Yeah. So yeah, so for me, it is more, that's how I sort of define it in my sense, in my surroundings, in my clinical world, is looking at the physiological strains that happen. And is that manifested in something like um, DHEA sulfate, or is it manifested in cortisol itself, or how does that manifest in a, in a blood so, so very interestingly, Cortisol and DHA can stay normal for a long period of time, but cortisol can change day to day. I mean, you could wake up in the morning, you could eat something that was a food sensitivity and it will alter your cortisol, but then come back to normal later and so on and so forth. It is believed, although there is, you know, a lot of people also don't believe that the more, the same hormone that makes cortisol makes DHA and they believe in this pregnenolone steel where cortisol is made too much and therefore there's not enough of the backbone to make DHEA. And then DHEA sulfate makes a lot of the sex hormones and DHEA also makes a lot of, uh, regulates the immune system. And therefore when you have people who go through an exhaustion period or like a, you know, where they go through burnout as it were in like more common terms, you find that their immune system gets Um, affected. And those are the people that get sick more often, but also in terms of stress per se, it affects, you know, insulin. I mean, it affects your thyroid, it affects your testosterone, it affects, you know, your sleep, and therefore it might affect your growth hormone. I mean, it, it can affect a lot of different hormones. It affects the digestive system humongously. And when something affects the digestive system for me, and that's how I kind of started my whole functional medicine side of was really looking at the gut because the digestive system is implicated in majority of diseases um, today and the immune system resides in the digestive system. So again, it affects everything, Yeah, you know, stress affects everything. And as much as we, it's so common um, and you're surrounded by people who are all saying they're stressed. So it's almost become normal yeah. is actually kind of not normal, if yeah. that makes sense. Like the, there is an element of still got to, you know, look after yourself as yeah. it were. It won't, it won't come to any surprise to, to our listeners here that when I get my bloods done, my DHEA is, is high. Um, and I, you know, I try and combat my stress, but pe- people who know me and know me well know that I, I work a lot and, and I stress a lot. Like I, you know, I just do, you know. Um, but I do, I do also understand that you need to be able to try and find a balance, which I think we'll we'll talk about in a moment. Trent, did you have any? Sorry, mate, did you have any questions? Yeah, Shafali, uh, I'm really interested to hear what the what the physical symptoms of stress will look like. We've we've spoken about we've spoken about the hormones and those sorts of things, but for for those that aren't really 
tracking the the science behind it. How do they recognize the physiological symptoms of stress in themselves? So this is how I actually, so when I, when I see a patient and the first time I see a patient, um, it's a long-ish consultation because it's me getting to know you. And it's me getting to know you just not for now. It's me getting to know you from the get-go, from really like birth till now. Um, your story and where you are in your story depends on all the pages before where you are today, you know. Symptoms that I would say are most common change the as in, however long this person has been having kind of stress, so it kind of changes. But like in terms of, you know, the immune system, that's actually a really big one. You know, sleep is another big one because I think the way in which the hormone cortisol is made, we have a specific graph where it's highest in the morning and as the day goes on, it kind of slowly decreases as the day goes on. And then we're able to sleep, we recover, and then we wake up fresh. And then people who are stressed for long periods of time, they might have exactly the same curve, just much higher because their cortisol is much higher throughout the day. Eventually those people, sorry, become tired, but wired huh. at nighttime. <laughs> right? <laughs> Ring some bells, I feel. Uh. Uh, and when they're tired and wired, quality of sleep can get affected. And when their quality of sleep is affected, they don't wake up necessarily as fired up as they should in the morning. It takes them a little bit more. And then those people then tend to have, you know, the coffees and choose the different kinds of foods because now their sleep hasn't been so good. So their choices of food become different. And when their choices of food become different, they start to have the sugar imbalances and so on and so forth. And then it's a vicious cycle. After they become tired and wired, if they don't look after themselves, the adrenals, which are the, horm- the, the organs that make the hormones, then become just tired. And then they just, no matter how much sleep you get, it just becomes never enough. And then now those people become chronically tired doesn't matter how much rest they get. And those are the people whose immune systems get affected, whereas you're in the office and such and such gets a cold and you're always going to be that person who also gets that cold. They will recover in three days. You will recover in two weeks. You know, you kind of feel like you have a temperature, you know, um, imbalance where you're no longer able to regulate your temperatures a bit. That can happen too. You can lose parts of your, like, Eyebrows even is a very common adrenal fatigue sort of uh, symptom. Stand up suddenly, you start to feel dizzy. Uh, you know, again, like I said, choices of food become different. So you're hungry all the time. You're just not satisfied so much. You know, there, there's so many different sort of symptoms. It's never one, but it just depends on what, what was happening before because often when the adrenals get affected, other hormones become affected. So then those situations like the thyroid, those symptoms start to appear because you've kind of triggered another sort of cascade of like issues with other hormones. Um, Start to crave salt actually a lot more in adrenal fatigue because when you're stressed, you sort of deplete your own salt. So you start to actually start craving more salt as well. It's a common symptom with stress being a problem. And that is when, because I see a lot of it, autoimmune conditions start to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's in that sort of, you know, burnout. In fact, in COVID times and lockdown, 
I probably saw the most amount of relapses of autoimmunity. You know, people who were in remission and having a flare. Everything that you have sort of outlined and described, I would say, and I don't know about, about you, Trent, I know you've been through some, some pretty um, high-stressed moments in your military career. So when I look at the testosterone levels or the stress levels in most ex-special forces guys, that the stress levels are through the roof and the testosterone is really low because they've had this fight or flight response for 20 odd years like i know for instance my um you know my fight or flight response is a lot different than most people's these days you know and it's and it's because it's been it's been so fatigued and so and so for me the whole the reserve you don't have the reserve you know yeah and and i I also think that you know there there's there's a huge element i think of unspoken about traumas uh, depending on your life that I always speak about in clinic because I'm often the first person they will talk about, but it matters. So one of my questions that I ask everybody who comes to see me is, you know, have you had any emotional traumas? Be it from, you know, I'll always talk about your upbringing. I'll always talk about, you know, your, and it's not to pry on your, but it, it is just to get a sense of who you are because what you've been matters and that's really important so your epigenetics as it were you know your environment from the get-go and your learned behaviors matters and people often feel like you know it would be weak of them to talk about in fact you know i read a book recently i mean i on uh, we went on actually we're lucky enough to get away on holiday and i i took a book and the book was called when the body says no um and it, it was about it was about stress, but it was all these anecdotal sort of, you know, people who had gone through various upbringing or traumas and stuff like that and how they ended up with disease. And, the, and it was really interesting, but one part really stuck with me and it was about how there, those people who are extremely positive all the time. Mm. And then there are those people who are maybe considered themselves to be more negative and who you would think would become more sick would it be the positive people or the negative people and the person who wrote this book Gabor Mate he's talked about how actually the more negative people got less sick purely because they ended up talking about the things that went wrong and they were opening up and were able to talk about and dealing with it was the people who were you know, eternally, you know, you had those people always positive and always, you know, and people always trying to be that kind of person tended to hide away a little bit from difficulties as it were, you know, and, and I found that sort of really interesting because even for me at that point, I was like, you know, didn't think that that would be the case. And that was really, really interesting, a different way of looking at it, you know, because you do have those people and just the, the whole, the whole notion of calling someone negative is quite negative in itself, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I thought that was kind of like interesting, mm. but traumas is, is big, you know, and you see when, you know, I've been doing it for now 11 years in my own clinical practice. And I feel like you find your own correlations, you yeah. know, and when people have autoimmune disease and you ask them, you know, they've had, you do see like repetitive, similar sort of tough situations yeah. and some really tough situations. Yeah, right. You know? And are some people, are some people more 
tolerant to stress than others? Is that is there a genetic disposition that makes someone more tolerant, or can we? Are there steps to improve tolerance? Sort of two questions there, I guess. So I mean, you know, it's interesting you say about like are some people more tolerant? I look at my mum, and my mum grew up during India's partition, you know, yeah. and you know she, she had to like you know, sleep on, you know, railway tracks and sell their utensils and see loads of like, you know, war and, you know, lose family members and so on and so forth. And, you know, nothing really, my mom's not really phased by much. Whereas, you know, we'll go outside and drive on the streets and get really annoyed by the taxi driver who almost crashed into our car. And I'd be like, whoa, and you'd be talking about it for like days. It's not the same, you know, my mom's totally different. But I, but I think it's more an environment as opposed to your genetics per se. It is what you've been exposed to that allows you to almost deal with kind of what you're kind of going through, but it's also your surroundings. I mean, we live in an era of social media and in social media, you kind of look at everyone posts about everything that's like really amazing. So you kind of like almost like get obsessed by all the things that are so amazing on everyone else's posts that you're kind of like, okay, makes you kind of look at all the negative sides and why you're not doing so well. And I think those things, you know, all have a negative impact, I think on our ability, but I think, it's like with medicine and health, like health, people ask me all the times, you know, do you think this is genetic? And I was like, you know, your genetics may load the gun, but your environment pulls the trigger. Great point. You know? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a really important thing is to have belief in that your environment makes a huge difference and not, you know, almost not just accept that it, this is genetic, you know, because, because it's, because it's not, but but different environments and situations and exposures is what teaches you, you know, as to who you are now and what you're able or what you're capable of being, yeah. you know, ultimately. Almost the... You know, what you guys have seen is so different to, like, what other people have seen, you know, and only... You know, it's, it's, it's just like in all situations, I think. Shafali, for the leaders amongst us, is there a certain level of good stress to help motivate leaders... And teams, like, do you, do you think that stress belongs in our life? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think stress is a, a quite, and people associate it with a negative term. But I think if we talk in the terms of, say, training, for example, you train every day. And if you go day in and day out and no periodized training, no planned days off, no planned recovery, no planned lower volume days, eventually that's going to become overtraining. Whereas if you trained every day and you had planned, you know, deload weeks and you had days off and you're, you're monitoring those kind of things, I think you could train for a hell of a long time, you know, and I think you can still be motivated and you can still be able to do it, but you have to plan. I think you've got to really plan, even as a leader, you have to have plan you know i think just going all out every single day and you know you will lose an element of that motivation because once it becomes tiresome once it becomes too much once you lose focus at home and you're not able to you know hang with the family something will break you know um and i you know i remember when two banks here were merging and people were really scared about losing their job. And I was actually doing a wellness program. And I remember having one-to-one conversations with individuals at the time. And just like, you know, your motto, I would say that, you know, ultimately you're number one. 
because if you worked so hard and something were to happen to you, the work would still have to go on where somebody would replace you. But in all, you know, for whatever you're doing, whether it be your family or and you're supporting, whatever it is, once you break down, you've lost everything that you were doing it for, you know, ultimately there has to be planned recoveries in the day. There has to be planned recoveries in the week. There has to be, plan- you, can't, you can't just wait for that one summer holiday. You know? is, that, is that what you call burnout? And that is what I, eventually, initially you'll be able to ride the wave and do it and you will be fine. Eventually you will burn out. It will break down. And you see those people in lockdown. You see those people who let go of everything during lockdown. You either had those people who became, who trained and ate well and created a, a routine that was absolutely amazing. Or you had those people who gained like 10 to 15 kilos, you know, and they got the flares and then they had, you just had those two. And it depended on what people chose to do in that situation during lockdown here in Dubai. And that is for me is like how you've managed your, that stressful situation in that time. Did you make the best of it or did you let it all go? Yeah. Do you think that we're more stressed than say our grandparents' generation or, you know, the generation before that? It's a good question. You know, I think I have asked that question to myself like a lot because of when I hear stories of my parents, you know, but I Mm. think the situation, the situation was different. I feel like the day to day niggles, you know, we were very happy to live. I mean, my parents had nothing. My parents moved to the UK. I think they said with like something like, you know, a hundred pounds or something. They were happy to buy, you know, secondhand clothing for the children, you know, here now it's kind of like, there's just, we're not, I just don't, I don't think we're happy with the small things as much as we used to be, you know? And so we've created, I think in ways, our own stresses, but I think with the rise of social media and what everybody else is perceived to have, you know, it, it's like in Dubai, you'll see people with like, you know, all these like big cars and, but nobody really knows or almost cares that it's being all financed. They haven't bought it outright. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah. but you'll post about it. You'll post about that weekend that you're driving that Lamborghini and everybody's thinking, wow, you know, so it's almost made to seem like you don't have enough. We're just not satisfied with the few things that we should be satisfied that our parents were satisfied with. You know, I look at my, my parents were very happy with the very little that they had. In fact, they've achieved so much. I just don't think we're just, we just want hell of a lot more, you know, all the time. There's a distinct change in our, our culture now. And, and I think you're right. I think there's, there's a big part of that. We want everything now. We want the the best job now, you know, the, the job that we're aiming for, but we want it now. And, now. and there's a truism that the more things you own, the more they own you, right? That's, I mean, that's totally it. But I also think that, you know, back in my parents' generation, there were, you know, a few professions. People were happy with getting into those professions. Now, when I look at, you know, my children, you know, I, you know I'm less, I'm sort of like, you know, the jobs that my kids are going to be doing, it's probably not even being like created yet. I don't even know, you know, there's just, there's so much yeah. change in terms of what's available that the exploration of new things uh, was also added to stress because some people will be successful in those things and some people will not be successful in those things. And, you know, there, there is a 
start change and sort of, you know, where we have a lot more creativity and it's okay to be creative and it's okay to, you know, go down and have different sort of jobs and, you know, you study something and then you decide, you know what, I studied it, but I'm going to do something completely different. I'm going to leave, you know, medicine and I'm going to become this, or I'm going to become that. I mean, I left medicine for a good few years after I qualified. Um, and after I, I did my sports medicine and worked as a sports physician for a bit in London, I, I left it for a few years and I left it because I was kind of disillusioned by the whole, you know, NHS in the UK at the time. Um, and, you know, I kind of, in my mind, was always a little bit creative and the whole functional medicine aspect and the nutritional therapy was my way of adding a little bit of creativity to it. But when I first came and I started a clinic, my first day in clinic was a half day where I saw one patient, mm. you know, one patient. And in a week I was like, you know, I'm just going to do half sessions until they build, you know, there's no such thing as a wellness program. Nobody really knew what I was talking about that food could make a difference or supplements could make a difference or that, you know, me talking about how sleep is a necessity it's not a luxury people were like really whatever we're talking about carbohydrates at that time people were like really i mean you know we live for biryanis and spaghetti bolognese you know it was totally like you know different you know so ultimately you know even in that time that was stress but i was just like okay i had my supportive parents i my supportive and i was just like i'm just gonna go for it you know but back in my parents generation i don't think that they had the ability or the thought it's always about not taking risks. Whereas I feel like the long it's, it's all about taking risks now, you know, whereas my parents were like, do something that was like, you know, a good profession. And then, you know, you're stable and it's about stability and not taking risks. But now what are we going to tell our kids that, you know, do what makes you happy? Yeah. Love it. So good. Balance is so hard in this day and age, I think. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I think, you know, we, we all, everyone's working harder, faster, longer. Um, work and life are becoming intrinsically linked. The things that are bad for us, everyone has consumption problems. Where do our listeners even start by removing not only the emotional stress in their life, but the stresses that come through those other areas? You know, um, when lockdown happened and we had to close the clinic and Zoom became, you know, readily available, whereas before we didn't have that actually in Dubai. Mm. I like, I am quite a talker. I do like to talk. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And that's when I posted my first video on Instagram and it was on stress. And I did that video because it was the most common conversation I was having that I would have to draw this like picture and explain stress. And the way in which I explained it was that we all have a single bucket of stress and it is filled with uncontrollable stresses and controllable stresses. And the only way to make sure that our bucket of stress doesn't overflow and we become overwhelmed is by controlling the controllable. Mm. And for me in a day, the controllable stresses, I, you know, I worked with this other um, wellness practitioner back in the day and we went to Sweden on a biohacking conference and we decided that we would call 
it the seven daily multipliers, the seven things that you can do daily or think about doing daily um, to actually control the controllables. And that is how you eat, what you drink and how you hydrate, how you sleep, how you move, how you detoxify. So gut health is very important. How you talk, so your social environment and how you think in terms of meditation, psychotherapy, talk therapy, as it were, you know. And these are the seven things that I always get people and I go through it in clinic to sort of say, you know, how can we optimize one thing at a time? We don't have to use all our secret weapons at once, but if you do one at a time and you, you nail it and then you add another one and another one, your controllable stresses will be more controlled. Right. And by that, I mean that if you and I both had a paper cut, but I ate well, I wasn't bloated, had a really good sleep, felt really energetic. I did my training in the morning. That paper cut is not going to hurt me near the same way it's going to hurt you. If you woke up and you were tired and bloated and, you know, uncomfortable, didn't have time to train, had like a thousand coffees and you were really hyper and that kind of stuff, it's just going to be really different. And that's where those, that's the stick that breaks the camel's back is when the uncontrolled, Rollable stresses now are now not at all controlled. You are going to manage the uncontrollable stresses far more when yeah. you can control the controllable. And those are the people who took this lockdown in their stride and decide, you know what, I'm going to put a routine in. Yeah. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to put my, my work clothes on because it's going to be, I'm going to wake up the same time. I'm going to have breakfast at the same time. I'm going to make sure I train. I'm going to spend time with the kids. I'm going to cook as a family. I'm going to, I'm going to take this time to benefit myself. Is that those are the people that deal it really well. Whereas all those people are like, you know what? I'm really stressed about it. So now I'm going to eat what I want. There's no, there's no, you know, timing. I'll sleep when I want. I'll, you know, those are the people that just don't know how to get back on track, yeah. you know, and that lockdown process has got far worse for them. So for me, those seven daily multipliers are the things that I talk about most uh, when it comes to managing your data. And that actually brings down cortisol because there's still an element of control. The moment you feel you have no control, you're just in that moment of like, you know, cortisol mayhem, you know, and that becomes problematic. Yeah, we talk a lot about sleep as a weapon and that people need to get more of it. And in fact, the World Health Organization listed the West in a sleep epidemic or a lack of sleep. Yeah. Do you see much change in your patients when you when you actually prescribe them more sleep? I mean, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think it changes relationships. It changes your ability to have more energy to get have your training. If you wake up and you know that you're not you're you're not as tired and you have more motivated to go train, the people that then train are the people who are going to be like, yes, I'm going to actually eat better. The moment they can control their food, the moment they're controlling their you know insulin regulation throughout the day, inflammation decreases. If they can lose a little bit of weight, they're less insulin resistant. Hormones change, you know. I mean, so many things can change just by sleep because there's so much information out there. I mean, I don't know if you've read the book, Why We Sleep. Um, it's an, you know, oh, it's also yeah. a really, really great book. And, mm -hmm. you know, I found that really interesting because I think that people 
when you understand the processes, you know, it, it just is, it, 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 it's, it's unbelievable how we actually compromise sleep because we need more time as opposed to we need to give, you know, time to your, to your recovery. Recovery is everything. I mean, when I turned 40, I, I decided like, you know, that's when I got my aura ring, you know, I got a whoop. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, monitor sleep. I'm going to think about like, you know, all the Wi-Fi and, you know, have my blue locking glass, blue light blocking glasses and so on and so forth, how I eat. And when you change your lifestyle and you see it reflects in your sleep quality and how you wake up in the morning and how you train and how you recover and how you're just a happier individual, it makes huge differences, yeah. you know, but recovery is key to recover. So even in terms of hormones and inflammation and the immune system and gut sleep's very important. Yeah. And, I love it. and what do you, what do you recommend for people as far as if they have most things sort of in tune in check from a perspective of supplements and, um, and, and supplementing a good diet, if they already have an okay diet, is there anything that you, you see that does work generally that you like to tell people to take for the, for the adrenals for like stress? Yeah. You mean? Yeah. I mean, it's actually very individualized because typically if I really feel they have a, an issue with their adrenals that are leading to some kind of like, you know, uh, why they're there and they're actually complaining of certain things. Um, I would test them. So uh, I actually would do uh, their blood work. I would actually do a saliva test. We do saliva tests to actually plot the graph that I was talking about to look at how does the cortisol um, and the DHA um, sulfate actually um, throughout the day, what, what the graph looks like. And depending on what stage of adrenal fatigue you are, I would, um, supplement them accordingly but nutrients that are helpful to all forms of adrenals would be something like magnesium i do give a lot of magnesium because it's a mineral that we're very deficient in um helps sleep helps sugars helps stress management i mean there's a lot of things about magnesium it's 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 very important i do give vitamin c I think, you know, uh, I've given zinc, vitamin D, very important for the immune system, very important, you know, for most, I give a lot of people omega-3s. Um, I give people um, uh, probiotics, digestive enzymes, plant-based digestive enzymes, because you're not what you eat, you are actually what you absorb. Um, mm. And when you go through long periods of stress, or and as we age, our ability to digest becomes a problem. And it's way too often people just stop eating huge food groups because they feel they just didn't digest it. Whereas they don't ask the question, well, why don't I digest it? That's the problem is you just don't take away like an entire protein source out of the you know, equation because you feel like you just don't digest animal protein. You've got to ask the question, well, why don't you digest it? You know, and people don't do that. Um, so those are the key ones that I feel are relatively safe um, and, but specific nutrients and specific herbs and things like that will be dependent on what stage of adrenal fatigue you're in. Um, so I like to be more specific because I think people use it, can use it very incorrectly too. And it might, you know, uh, deplete something else. Yeah. Right. You know, I've used CoQ10 a lot too, um, for mitochondria too. And that's also really uh, a great nutrient, 
um, that I've used a lot of as well. Yeah, I've heard CoQ10 is quite um, is quite good for energy. Um, yeah, and I guess that stands house, to reason. Mitochondria. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think people don't really, they're not aware of it. They don't use it as much as they should. But any element of toxic exposure or fatigue, your mitochondria gets affected and your mitochondria is your powerhouse of all cells. Yeah. And CoQ10 is very important. It's an antioxidant that, you know, aids that aspect and producing, you know, energy per se, but for that cell to work as opposed to just plain energy. You know, I think we are a nation that is actually very nutrient uh, deficient. And I make it a point to try and test people's nutrients because that leads to compliance, you know. If you're just guessing, you have way too many people come say, yeah, I take this supplement now and again, you know, a few times a week mm. and for months here and there. But it's not specific enough. Mm. That sounds like Yeah. But then when you test it, and I'll be like, you know what, take it for three months, retest it, get it. You, you would just be a little bit more compliant. Mm. You know, yeah. it's like a drop in the ocean, but sometimes you need therapeutic management. And that makes all the difference. Yeah. I'd be interested to uh, hear what you think about stress and anxiety. What's the difference between it? And do we mix up those terms sometimes? You know, are we just stressed when we think we're anxious and vice versa? Yeah, it's actually a really good question. I, I mean, for me, I think there are a lot of hormonal irregularities, a lot of reasons medically why somebody may feel anxious, but not necessarily be stressed. So you have you know, palpitations. There are people who are like, you know, I'm, I feel anxious. They have, you know, again, palpitations. They feel hot and sweaty and stuff, but they don't actually have a reason why. Now, it is causing an element of stress because they don't really know why, and that makes them more stressed. But the reason wow. why they have the physical sensation of anxiety can be coming from the digestive system. I mean, I see a lot of yeast overgrowth, mold, that kind of stuff where it actually ends, people end up having um, anxiety. And that's not stress. They feel anxious. They feel new phobias, new fears that come from nowhere. Scare, fear of flying, fear of impending doom, always worried, but they're not stressed necessarily. And the moment you fix their gut function, their neurotransmitters work better. All your neurotransmitters are made in the digestive system. So when the digestive system is not good, your neurotransmitter balance is not as good as it should be. And those people can feel anxious yet not stressed. Thyroid dysfunction, again, you can feel anxious, but you're not necessarily stressed. You know, different, you know. Whereas I think people do probably use them interchangeably. But in a clinical setting, I would say they are different. I feel like stress is kind of like up here and then all the little, you know, specific parts, they come, you know, it's kind of like an umbrella. It's very easy to say I'm stressed and then that just stops all conversation because you feel like you know what you're talking about. But it doesn't let you get into the nitty gritty, whereas I feel anxiety is a little bit more specific. You know, to me. Right. right. That makes sense? Yeah. No, no, that that helps. Well, certainly for myself being from a non-medical background, understanding the difference, I think it's important for us. I I feel like also with anxiety, um, when people talk about anxiety leading to panic attacks and, you know, it comes from the essence of a worry. 
So you may be stressed about something and that leads to the physicality of anxiety being that you have those palpitations, that breathlessness, that, you know, fear, that worry, that unable, you know, at night you wake up and you start thinking about loads of things. Very different to when you're waking up and your mind's wondering about the lists of stuff that you have to do and that kind of stuff. It's, it's a little bit more, I think, physical and, uh, and it has physical characteristics that are quite specific, um, in my opinion. Hmm. You must be the master of interpreting blood tests and interpreting people's blood work. I mean, how many, how many of them have you done? Oh, I mean, I would <laughs> probably, I mean, yeah, I've done loads of blood tests. I mean, I created my own panel uh, in 2009. And then as the years have gone on and the more reading, I just added different things that I feel are, you know, important. Um, and we do so many medicals, you know, so many medicals and, you know, looking at ranges and, you know, uh, you can also tell because we work with two labs specifically, but you can also tell sometimes I've seen so many that there's something wrong with that lab because of the kind of results we're getting. And I can like, call back and say, I think there's something wrong with this parameter. Wow. And often there'll be something wrong with the tube or something like that. But like we do do a lot because I think it is really important. And those people who find the benefit will come back year in and year out. Not only will we do their medicals, but once we find things that are out of range or we're working on something specific, then we would repeat in sort of three to six months, depending on what it was, so that we're able to see that the changes that we've made have made a difference, but also supplements that we've used are being absorbed by you. Not all supplements, even if it works really well in you, is going to really work well in him. It just doesn't work like that. And you just want to make sure that you're just not, you know, you need to gain the benefit of that supplement. So sometimes I will change the provider, the supplements and stuff like that, depending on your absorptive ability. Um, so keeping updated in terms of looking at your bloods, I think, I do think it's important, but also again, in terms of compliance uh, is really uh, gratifying for the individual. If they feel like that they've made loads of changes and they're seeing the differences, not that we just treat paper, you know, that's another thing that I think is really important is to, yeah, you can look at bloods, but sometimes, you know, it doesn't correlate with the patient in that moment. Sometimes I'll sit and I'll wait because I don't know if it's on a trend that's, if it's the first time, I don't know if it's the trend is getting worse or if the trend is actually getting better, Wow. you know, yeah. so we can sit and we can wait. So you have to treat the patient with the paper as yeah. opposed to just treating, you know, a set of results. I think the it's story Im- matters. I think it's important for for us, since I've signed Trent up to do a marathon on a rowing machine with Marcus Smith from Inner Fight by the end I of the year. I did hear that. I think it's time that I also sign Trent up to do some blood work hey, with hey, yourself hey, hey. so yes. that we can, yeah. So um, so a full consult. Uh, hang, on, hang on a sec. I just want to show you that. I'm just, uh, I, I've literally just booked... Uh, I've literally just booked an appointment online. I'm just showing my phone to uh, to uh, Shafali and Bram. So I've uh, literally booked for next Monday to get blood work done. There you go. But that's not with Good Shafali. Work. You're going to send your blood work and I'm going to send mine to Shafali. I will. I will. Yes. <laughs> Let's um, do it. If, if people in Australia wanted to enlist you to work with them, 
would that be possible? Is it a, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do all my international clients, unfortunately, though it's on Zoom, but it works really well for me here. Um, it's the best here. Um, so uh, all my international clients, we actually do work on Zoom. When we have blood work, it's actually a really good platform because you get to share your results and therefore we both can be looking at the same thing at the time, yeah. the same time. Uh, I like to draw loads of diagrams to explain loads of stuff so they have you know, a way on Zoom where I can actually do that. So um, it works really well. Okay, sign um, me up. I'm there. There you go. Yep. Looking and forward I'm, to it. I'm, I'm already all over it. I, all right. was, I was about uh, 10 minutes ahead of Brad, but um, <laughs> hey, uh, Shafali. Did you put uh, that while we were talking? Is that what yeah, you're saying? That's, yeah, this is, no, no, we I, had my, I, had, I had my producer do it. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey um, where can everyone find out uh, more about you, Shafali? Can they follow you on Insta or? Yeah, or I mean, Insta, I mean, I what's do. Well, at the moment, I think during the whole COVID, uh, uh, it has become a lot more Instagram. So Dr. Chef is my Instagram handle with a D-O-C-T. P-O-R, chef. Um, I saw that you followed me a while ago, only today, because but I did see it come through, and I was like, "Who's this? Who's this chef person following me?" And then I just ignored it, and then today I realised it was you, because you, I was like, "Oh, hang on a sec, that's your folly." Okay. Did you were following me back then? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought. I get some strange people request to follow I mean, me. I get some, that's true. I yeah. do get some really strange people too. It is a strange, yet I do find that. Doctor um, and a chef? What one, What sorcery is this? <laughs> <laughs> definitely not a chef. My husband will definitely tell you that's not what I am. He's definitely more of a chef than I am. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be the best way to really get in touch as, uh, but also, you know, on email too. Um, you know, uh, Institute for Biophysical Medicine is our, our clinic name, but it's short IFBM. So um, anyone can contact us there. But if you message me on um, Instagram, I can then connect them where they need to be connected to. Okay. Be great. Lovely. Great. Thank you for awesome. that. Um, Fantastic. Dr. Shafali, you've got two new patients uh, and probably... <laughs> probably half a million listeners lining up. So I want to thank you very oh, much. Thank you very much. Thank for being, you so much. Yeah. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. I know that Trent and I learned a lot about that. We we're both taking Indeed. notes feverishly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and oh, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Yeah. And I know, you know, I know that we talk a lot about leadership and resilience and, and I have a, a stoic sort of position as do a lot of people, I guess. Um, but I also think that we don't talk enough about being kind to ourselves. And part of part of a holistic approach to medicine is, is about people understanding more about stress and and how it impacts them and maybe maybe being a little bit more in the moment and not being so stressed with things and that, that is great for your health. So I wanna thank you for I, helping us with that. You know, a hundred percent. You know, don't one thing I just wanted to add was that, you know, there is a whole are we, one of the questions you could have said, you know, are, are we becoming, you know, maybe more soft and are we just more stressed or are we, are we more aware or, you know, and it almost, it almost doesn't matter because I think the individual who perceives stress for the smallest things is still going to make that cortisol. Yeah. And, and to be able to talk about whatever, 
one feels and allowing people to talk is so important than us judging this is little or this is a lot because mm. that's where the rise of mental health comes in mm. when people are not able to speak you know right now with my children they might be upset about the smallest things but i want to encourage them no matter how big or small it is how small it seems to me in the grand scheme of things for them at this moment it's a big thing mm. and i think everyone should be allowed to speak and talk and we should be open to listen um, and the more we do that and share and get rid of this taboo of not being able to speak or you're too weak or you're too strong it almost doesn't matter mm. because the more you're able to share i really think it just lessens the blow and wherever we can lessen the blow the better off we all are yeah, individually correctly. but as a you know a nation so yeah you know it is important you are number one ultimately i love it so you gotta look after number one you're the mission fascinating thank discussion. you so much thanks yeah. thank you so much guys thanks dr chef yeah thank you thanks very much for listening gang our pre-recording producers are the amazing team at Talent and Truth. Special thanks to Sabine and Samantha. Caitlin Swallow as our post-production editor. Thanks to Jess Bunker for research. If you like what you heard, please follow, download and subscribe. There's a weekly blog on the Warrior U website and a fortnightly newsletter that you can sign up to at hindsightleadership.com. That's all one word. Thank you for listening to the Warrior U podcast presented by Hindsight Leadership and Resilience. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 